I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. So good morning again. Is it morning? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not afternoon. Just yes. Here. Yes. Hello, Michelle. Welcome back. So Thank we you. we wrapped up last week just getting into the beginning of all the work you do. And I'm so excited you're here. Everything you've already shared has been so insightful. And so I'm happy to continue the conversation with you and learn more about all of the work you've been doing. So we ended last week and I was talking about, you know, how the friends of those that have passed, if you're in elementary school, you know, is the approach similar to how we do with siblings? Is this a general grief parenting with all kids? Like what, is there any differentiation we should consider when we're dealing with the friends of those who have passed? What does that look like? And what's your experience there? Well, my experience is that when David died, I really could not, I I mean, I lived next door to a family, we lived next door to a family that has four children, one of whom was David's age, and then one that was Deanna's age, and then two others. I've lived next door to them all these years and watched all of those kids grow up and do all of their things. And, you know, that that's hard. Yeah. And I realized quite a ways into it that I, I mean, I really lost touch with his friends and I couldn't have... I mean, other than the ones that live next door, the ones that live where I see them, as I said, he died in kindergarten. And when he was, when his classmates were in fifth grade, I got something from a teacher at the school. Deanna was in that school. And the teacher gave me all of these letters that David's former classmates as fifth graders had written to me. And it was part of a some kind of, you know, assignment they did in class or whatever, where they had to remember something or somebody, and they all thought of David, and they wrote these letters, wow. and the teacher gave me those letters, which was really interesting to me. And then when his classmates were in 10th grade, one of his good friends invited me in to talk to her health class because Mm -hmm. she had to do an assignment about something and she was doing this assignment about David and his cancer and so she had me come in and talk to her class and I went in and talked to her class and I saw other kids in there that you know had been David's classmates and I talked to them And I got out to the parking lot and I just sobbed and I was a wreck for the rest of the day. When they graduated from high school, one girl said, and she she had gone to my church and in fact, her mom shared David's birthday. And so, you know, over the years, always on David's birthday, I wish her a happy birthday and we've kind of maintained this connection. But this girl said, you're coming to graduation with my family. Mm. I want to be there. So I went. And after graduation, she came over to me and gave me a locket that she had worn across the stage that said, we remember and had David's picture in it. 
and she said he walked across the stage. Oh, my God. And I, I went to two, two um, open houses where uh, his classmates had memorial tables for him at their graduation open houses for their friend who had died in kindergarten. So, and I realized I had never gone, like he had a really good friend, Ted, and Ted had this Pokemon table at graduation. He and David had been Pokemon buddies. And, Ugh. you know, and I realized I had not watched Ted grow up. He was a basketball player. I had not gone to hit, you know, and at that time I thought, I wish, I wish I had somehow kept track of these kids, but I didn't. And I was aware of the impact that David had on them, you know, that they did this, that they remembered him at their graduation, you know, and, and what it was like for them over the years, having had this loss, and what it was like for their parents. And I, you know, I was never part of those conversations or part of that. And when I started doing the work that I was doing, I really was aware that not all children who need the support are family members, yes. you know, that best friends, you know, I, it's interesting that I lived next door to this family and never really had the sense from them, you know, I mean, I, I never felt necessarily that they were struggling, you know, they, I'm sure they had their grief and everything, but you know, there just were some of these classmates that were so struck and it was apparent to me. So when I started doing the work that I was doing, my focus, the, the, the child that I really want the world to see is the bereaved sibling because of the sibling bond. But out of my heart as a mom and just an adult who, before I ever became an early childhood parent educator, my whole focus was on making, making good things happen for children. So I have often thought that once I get my program in place, or now that it is in place, I'm also trying to look at ways where I can give the pieces of it that can be helpful to other, to other parents. And so I am pulling out some of the things about how children grieve and how adults can support that mm -hmm. and the essential messages and the things that kids worry about. You know, when children have lost a loved one, a friend, another young person like themselves, their, their innocence is gone. Mm -hmm. Their whole sense of the world and their whole sense of themselves has been changed. And yes. they carry these fears and question marks and doubts and uncertainties in them when adults don't even know it. And so how can we be available as adults to address that? And a lot of what I would ideally love for good grief parenting to do, which is that piece of me saying that childhood is the best time to learn about grief, mm -hmm. would be for adults to learn how to help children uh, acknowledge children's loss. There's a quote by Mark Twain 
that says in matters, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it's something about in matters of grief, a child's loss of a doll and a king's loss of a crown are are the same are the same amount of grief. In other words, grief is a hundred percent. And when children grieve something that we think is little, it is still grief. Mm-hmm. And if we can validate that, and the story that I share is when I was five or six, and it was interesting. I was telling my sister this. Actually, she's listened to some of my podcast interviews, and she heard me share this. And she said, I remember that. I had a blow-up toy named Wally the Walrus. And he was a big, you know, rideable size. And he was fun in the water. And I was at the beach. I grew up in northern Minnesota on Lake of the Woods, where the, the lake goes on forever. It's just water and sky. And I fell off of him and he got away from me and no adult could reach him and the wind took him out. And I had to stand on the beach just helplessly watch Wally the walrus float away. And to this day, I remember how that felt. Mm -hmm. And it was just awful. I mean, (sighs) there was, it was this helpless, he's gone. There's nothing I can do. I can't get him back. It was grief, Mm -hmm. but it was just a floaty toy. But that's a time for an adult to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I know how much you loved playing with that toy. That feels awful that he's gone and you can't get him back. And oh, that's just and just really validate the feeling. The truth is, it's only a toy. My life isn't going to be changed because of it, except I'll grow up to the age I am now and still remember how it felt. So it had an impression on me. Um, But. Those are the ways. So all of our kids have those experiences. And, and yes, the, the child who is the friend of a child who dies is going to grieve too. And so the important things for adults to know, no matter what kind of grief their child is experiencing, is that if we can honor grief, just honor it in childhood, that is such a step in the right direction. Because what do we typically do instead? Not, not with a human being being lost necessarily, but so often we do just try to make kids feel better. Mm-hmm. We say, you love to go to this place. Let's go, let's go to this park for the afternoon. You love it there. Or why don't you call this friend? You love to play with this friend or it'll get don't worry you'll feel better later I mean all of these things we say but we don't really talk to children about the fact that yes when we lose something that matters to us it hurts I hurt when I lose something that matters to me too just validating Mm -hmm. it and honoring it is how we can start with all children I love that So the next question we have is, what is the most important thing for parents to know about their bereaved sibling? I think the most important thing is to know that no matter what age the child is, their sibling relationship is going to matter to them. How much it matters and how significant it is depends on the child and depends on a lot of other things. But for example, I have one one mom that I've worked with whose son is two and a half, and he was born 
10 days after her son died, his big brother died Mm. of cancer, by the way. So he was not even born when his brother died, but his brother used to talk to him. You know, his brother knew he was coming. His, there are pictures of his brother around. His brother looks a lot like him. Wow. You know, he'll say, who is that? And, you know, that looks like me. And mommy will say, no, that's your brother, Axel, you know. And so he's got this brother that he's never met, but he sees pictures around. And, and he knows that mom and dad love this little boy that he's never met and so you know the relationship is there and it's his big brother and our siblings are just so important to us and so significant to us and when a child loses a sibling they lose all of the potential of that relationship whether they ever met the sibling or not if you know the other story I share about Deanna which is just a good example of the significance of this relationship is when she was going to a new school, I don't know, first grade, I think maybe, or something. She said to me, what grade would David be in if he were alive now? And I told her and she said, oh, good, then he'd be in my school. And I thought, but, but he's not in your school. He's not alive but she took a comfort from knowing that if he were alive he'd be her big brother in the same school with her Mm. oh good he'd Mm. be in my school but he wasn't there so this is you know for her he was always growing up to me, he's a, a six-year-old. To her, he's still her big brother. Mm-hmm. And she found ways to take comfort in that and many, many ways to be heartbroken, of course, by the fact that he wasn't there, isn't there. His, you know, just like his friends and like his cousin, who also had a picture of him, you know, on her table when she got married. I mean, you know, so these connections still last. And So I think it's important for, this is the thing, another one of my really, really long answers to your short question. But I think that's the most important thing for parents to realize is that even if they never met this child, there's a relationship. And a lot of times parents, because of their own, one of the things that adults can tell you who never were told about their sibling is that they there was something kind of off in the family because the parent knows the child who died and if the if the parent isn't sharing that with the living child the deceased child's presence is still there and it's like a ghost in the house and so it really does need to be brought out into the light of day so that the child can know that relationship in whatever way it ends up mattering to them because it is important to them. Mm -hmm. So speaking of parents and having, you know, their own grief, how do they balance their own grief with their grieving children, the grieving siblings? That's a a really good question. And it it goes back to the self-care piece and the permission piece. Because the other thing that parents so often do is feel guilty about something. They feel guilty because their 
maybe not remembering their deceased child the way they think they should. If they find themselves, you know, paying attention to something else, then they'll feel guilty about that. If they're paying attention to their own needs, they'll feel guilty. They need to just take care of their own needs and take care of their child's needs as best they can, because if they're not taking care of themselves first, then they're not taking care of their child the best they can and know that they, they're not expected to be perfect. They're not expected to do everything right. They just need to be aware of what their child needs and try to meet their child's needs and try to meet their own needs and then give themselves permission to meet their needs and to not be perfect. It will constantly be a balancing act. But the thing I'd like to see parents do is be able to get rid of the guilt about what they're doing mm. and just do their best because that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. How do we as adults, maybe parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, adults support grieving children? I think for everyone to be aware of the loss and open about the loss. Everyone doesn't need to talk to the child about the loss, but just, you know, be open about the fact that it that it's there and when it, you know, when it becomes a presence in the owner, you know, be willing to face it. The other thing is to just really validate the child who's living. There's a woman named Betty Davies who wrote a book called Shadows in the Sun. And she talks about, and it's about the sibling relationship, and she talks about messages that it's easy for surviving children to get when a sibling has died. Messages like, I'm not enough, you know, I don't understand what's going on, and I'm forgetting what the other message is. But when children are around adults who are experiencing a loss like this, they're experiencing it too. And they need for adults to be willing to include them in Mm. whatever way that seems appropriate, whether it's, you know, explaining something to them that they may not understand, or whether it's speaking the loved one's name and saying, we're all crying right now because we really miss so-and-so. You know, if they're all together and they're all crying and no one's telling the child why they're crying and they all understand, but the child is saying what's going on, just tell the child what's going on. So those are the ways, more of what I've already shared, just not being afraid to involve the child because they're impacted by it anyway. And then being aware of what your behaviors and your, you know, your remembering of the child who's deceased, how that might look to the child who's living. So many children feel like maybe the adults wish that the other child were there and maybe it would have been better if they died, for example. Mm. Of course, adults don't feel that way, but kids can wonder that because they hear the adults talking so much about the other child. And so just validating them and who they are. Has Deanna shared with you, how do I ask this, an appreciation for this approach or, you know, that it brought her value growing up? And can you share some of that? Yeah, she has. She is very happy. Uh, I mean, she's been really good about telling me how much she appreciates that I was the mom she needed. 
and um, which is good for me to hear because mm-hmm. I certainly, you know, made my mistakes. Um, We're and human. She knows. She knows that she is equipped to handle things, you know, that she otherwise wouldn't. She's very perceptive. I mean, she's the child who was wandering around the house at 15 months with all of this feeling just coming out of every pore. And she's the child at the age of three and a half that was able to say to me, half of me is gone, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is such a a concept for a three and a half year old. She's very perceptive. She understands people so well. You know, she certainly had her struggles And socially, uh, one thing about bereaved siblings is that socially, they're so often, they so often feel really out of sync because their peers don't understand this part of who they are or their experience at all. I mean, she was always absent of her brother around kids who had siblings. And so she often felt that, but she knows that she has Uh, learn things about people, hard things that people experience that she's glad she has. And she's over the years, you know, we've been able to process it over the years, which is the other thing. She can come to me at any time and tell me, you know, that she thought about David or that in this experience she had this thought about David when he, what she did the year that he was supposed to graduate was she drew a picture of him in his cap and gown mm. and made him the valedictorian of his Aww. class. Well, you know, and when she was in college uh, taking a, write, a poetry class, her anthology of poems was called Every Poem is a Dead Brother Poem. Wow. So, you know, she still carries him with her. One of the other things I did for anybody, you know, listening to this is I found a therapist for her before David even died. Because we knew he was going to die. I knew she was going to need someone to talk to. And so I found someone and she would go do play therapy with this person. And over the years, there'd be a time here and there where she'd say, I think I need to go see Susan. And she'd go see Susan and do some processing. So all of Deanna's experience was just really out there and open and with me. And she knows that, and yes, she appreciates that. So that's kind of what it looked like for us was that whenever she needed to process it, she was totally free to do it and had had ways to do it with me or someone else. You have all this experience and education with grief what can we say early on to folks that might be new to this journey about what's in store for them and sort of reflecting on your own journey would you say anything to yourself 20 years ago um, that would be valuable for you today honestly regarding my experience you know, and I and I told you this, I feel like my God just preserved me and gave me the resources I needed from the beginning, gave me some preparation, put me in a field where I could be proactive with my daughter and also at the same time take care of myself. And so I always was optimistic it saddens me so much to encounter people 
who are nothing but devastated mm. and just cannot see that they can ever, ever be happy again, especially parents who are raising young children. Yeah. Because as I said, I've met adults who's, who were those siblings raised by those parents yeah. and now they're adults. And I really want families to know that there is hope no matter I mean yes it is so utterly devastating and it also is something we don't we don't want to let go of it because it's all we have you know what you have of your dead child is all you're ever going to have so you you don't want to let go of it I understand that yeah. I'm in the same way but that doesn't mean you can't live forward mm -hmm. and because you you are going to go on living there's this debate, and I call it a debate, in the grief community, whether which is, do you get over ever get over grief or don't you? Some people say, yes, you get over grief. I say, you don't ever get over grief. And they take issue with that because they see it as depressing. <laughs> the way I explain it, you know, because if you don't ever get over grief. That's Sorry, I'm oh. depressing. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't get over yes. grief. But yes, it does change. And yes, you can have a good and even happy and joy-filled life in the presence of grief. Yes. That's the way I look at it. Yes. Um, and I want people to know that. I don't want people to hear that you never, which I hear in a lot of Facebook groups, people saying, will you ever get over it? And other people saying, I'm 20 years out. No, I've never gotten over it. And it's this horrible thing. And I say, you choose how you're going to go forward. That's the thing I, I would share. You know, the two things would be, you can live forward and you can have hope and you can have a good life. It's a choice to do that. You can also choose to spend the rest of your life saying, I'll never be happy again, and then never be happy again. But if that happens, and if that happens, it's because that's what you chose. Hard as that is to hear people say, "I no, there's no way I can be happy again. I wrote a poem when my son had been gone for five years about how, the, how things were still, it was like, still, this is, still you're gone, still I'm feeling this way. I also thought about the fact I used to, when David had first died, I, I used to think, Michelle, someday it will be 20 years from now and you will feel different than you feel now. Hmm. I used to tell myself that someday, Michelle, it'll be five years from now and you will feel different. You just know you will. It's like I would told some of my, I had a client who had lost her son in June and started taking my course in October. And I said, even now, even in October, you don't feel exactly the same way you felt the day after he died. You know, you are progressing. You mm -hmm. are always progressing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it, but you Amen. are. Yeah. So. Well, we're sort of. Wrapping up, up a few things. I know mom has. I know, yet. not your turn yet. Wait. At the end. We'll get there. <laughs> but is, again, 
Is there anything about this journey that we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with folks that might be in the middle of it, whatever phase they are in it? Is there anything else about your grief journey you'd like to share? I guess the only thing I'd like to share is maybe a different way of saying what I already said, which is we all grieve in our own way. I haven't said that. Hopefully everyone's heard that because that's the truth. People won't grieve like me or like you or like anyone else. And so people can't tell you how to grieve. Um, So that's important. There isn't a right way or a wrong way to do it. But the thing that I really want you to know is that grief will change you. You will never, ever be the way you were. Mm -hmm. And you simply need to, and we we fight that. We go kicking and screaming around I still kick and scream, like I said, about Deanna not having her brother. I yeah. just want it to be that way, and it never will. Right. The thing to know is that, no, it will never be the same, but it can be good, and you can make something good out of where you are. So I just encourage you to learn how to t- loosen your grip on what you have to let go of. And remember, continuing bonds means that you don't have to leave it behind. You don't have to leave it behind. You can carry it forward, but you can carry it forward in a way that, you know, that that you can just carry it and have it and it doesn't interfere with what you're doing now. And then you can live a new life, a different life that can be very, very good and can be shaped by this experience that you've had. And that's why I call my program Good Grief Parenting, because when you go through grief in a healthy way and allow it to, you know, influence your life, but not wreck your life, then you really heal with grief. And it is, and grief really is good when it functions the way it's meant to, because it's a normal part of our human existence. It's it, we're supposed to grieve. Yeah. And we're supposed to go through it and come out on the other side being healed. And that doesn't mean we don't feel grief anymore. It just means we're in a place where we can function in a good way, but not the same way. Yes. So mom is dying to ask a question. <laughs> go for it, Grandma Carmen. So we have experienced people that have been devastated and, you know, hopeless and all of that stuff. Now, my question is, what are your thoughts on people, parents, family members that are just angry? That's it. I want to get rid of my anger and I don't know how. Um, I think a key part of grief is allowing yourself to feel what you feel. Anger is a legitimate emotion. It's not something that you have to get rid of. I mean, eventually, yes, but it may just need to run its course. I think it's okay to be angry. Of course you're angry. And I think the hard, I think one of the hardest things about grief is thinking that we should be not feeling the way we feel. And I think we all, well, you need to give yourself permission to be angry. It's okay, of course you're angry. I think you are doing things that are exposing you to lots of other perspectives. You're being open to hearing from other people. You're, you're hearing how other people do grief. 
that's more, you know, that's, that's really all we can do. That's why what you're doing is so important because you're allowing people to hear how other people did it. And, uh, you know, what I'm doing is no, is not more right than what you're doing. I never went through the anger. Um, but that's, you know, you, you are, and that's how you're doing it. And it's all okay. Um, so first of all, just give yourself permission to grieve the way you're supposed to grieve. It will ease. Hope that's helpful. It is. Oh man. Are you, did you have something else you wanted to ask? You know, the other thing about anger is just, um, allowing yourself to do things to express it. Like punch somebody. (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not hearing you oh no that was a good one (laughs) let's see if we can get her back the last thing i said was the other thing about anger is finding ways um for yourself to express it you know with children we do that with david david who was the cheetah and would would hit the nurses and things I got him a boppy doll, you know, one of those blow up boppy doll things to to hit when he was mad. We need to get you a boppy doll. Because that's my response was this uh, when you said find something to do or to express yourself. I said, like, like punch someone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except not someone. Get yourself something. Do some artwork where you, you know, get fill balloons with paint and throw them at a great big canvas and make yourself an anger canvas that just, you know, find a place to post it that just has blotches of paint. And anytime you feel angry, throw some more paintballs at it or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, just express it express it in healthy ways that's what we teach kids we don't teach you know we we sometimes do but we ought not to teach kids to not be angry because anger is a valid emotion there's a reason for it so what we want to do is just find a healthy way to express it Mm -hmm. scream into a pillow or go up on a mountain and scream or whatever you know i'm so sorry Sorry that you're angry. Sorry that you feel that. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, more than know, anything. Yeah, I'm sorry that we're going through all this stuff. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry that you have that to be angry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm just so amazed that you've been able to get to this point with your experience, with your loss, to help other families to, you know, ensure that Deanna grew up with the support she needed because there was not a ton of research out there. There was not a ton of support out there for her. And I'm so appreciative that there's an opportunity for us to really address that. And I am so thankful for your insight and wisdom and knowledge and sharing all that with our group, our listeners, anybody that's listening. So if folks though want to connect with you to, you know, learn more about this, how do they go about doing that? Well, my website is the best place. It's goodgriefparenting.com. And right there on the homepage, I have a good grief guide, which is four simple first steps for uh, adults who want to help children who are grieving. And it does some good perspective giving and tool giving around this good grief belief piece. 
And my main course is called See Your Way Forward After Child Loss, which is that good grief framework that I have. Um, but there are also ways that I would be, uh, you know, am available to talk to different groups and people either through individual or group coaching or doing workshops. And so check out my website, see the kinds of ways that I work with families there. And you can always schedule time with me or shoot me an email. Awesome. Well, Michelle, this has been such a delight to know you, to learn about David and Deanna, to know about your work. I can't wait to make an apple crisp and I share know. that recipe. You have to share that so. recipe now. <laughs> the recipe i'll do it right now <laughs> and thank you really nice to meet both of you and talk with you too this is uh has been a um it's been interesting having such a long conversation <laughs> so, yeah. it's been nice for us i can tell you that right yeah, now we learned a lot enlightening and, yeah yes, it's and, gonna help a lot of people oh, to hear yeah. all that i'm sure oh yeah and we can't yeah. thank you enough for your vulnerability for being so open and honest about your experience and for sharing that with everybody out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Goodgriefparenting.com. Go visit Michelle. Yes. Seek her out as a resource yes. to help you through your grief and to help those siblings through their grief. If there's anything else that, you know, we can do or we can support you. Please let us know. Um, but I think today we're we're wrapped up. Let's yeah, do it. It's a wrap. All right. Thank Catch you on the so next one. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. And you can come back anytime, anytime open invitation. Especially if oh, you hear no. something that we're doing and you go, hey, we got to fix that. Or... <laughs> well, I'll offer my two cents. Yes. <laughs> offer my two cents. Take care, oh, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Bye. 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 Hey, cool kid. Love you.